0: Hi, my name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare: The Battle of Ideas. I am drinking coffee, sponsored by Caloroso Coffee, and uh, they are in George. They are fighting the good fight with us. Please click on the link below the video. Um, they will deliver wherever you are in the country. It is very cold in Cape Town. My guest is not in Cape Town. Professor Chris Malan, or as I like to say, Uem Kwis. <laughs> which part of the country are you in uh
1: good morning uh, jeremy i'm in Pretoria uh in uh, also in quite cold weather um it's supposed to be a, a spring day yesterday was supposed to be spring day and today uh, today obviously must be a little bit warmer but we're really uh, experiencing the last of winter proper winter in Pretoria with rain you can't believe it that that's the only difference so, right but it's quite quite welcome.
0: I have to ask you this because I ask all my guests this, but do you drink real coffee or do you drink instant coffee?
1: I drink real coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I drink real coffee. Uh, the, the answer, I hope, uh, came across as an emphatic answer. I drink <laughs> real and real whiskey.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, uh, I only drink real coffee as well. Uh, <laughs> well, listen, Worm Quis, Professor, what do you like being referred to as?
1: Uh, as you please. <laughs> I, in the moment, we dig into the conversation, I don't hear the way in which I'm addressed.
0: So, <laughs> you are a constitutional uh, law expert, aren't you?
1: No, I'm not. Uh, I would rather call myself a constitutional jurist. Okay. Uh, The moment one hears about a constitutional law expert, uh, it uh, suggests that you you must only be an expert on the South African constitution. And then it also suggests that the South African constitution uh, should be the be-all, end-all in one's thinking, and that the SA constitution should also be the one only and final criteria and standard for everything being done. And I think that's actually wrong. Uh, there are uh, very sound constitutional principles, constitutional tenets uh, that uh, have been forthcoming from the entire Western uh, legal and political tradition. Uh, and I would rather regard myself as someone uh, as someone anchored in, in that tradition, also judging the SA constitution and all other constitutions against the standard of what the Western tradition has to offer to us, which is a lot.
0: So a jurist is a better term. Yeah. Okay, I
1: think
0: so. Listen, so people automatically would think that talking about the constitution is 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 quite boring, but it's actually very very important. Um, We we talk about it as if it's the greatest thing. Uh, Everybody says we've got this most progressive uh, conversation, this this most progressive constitution uh, in the world. All of that to me doesn't mean much. Um, On Let's start at the start. On very basic levels, what is the Constitution?
1: Well, um, a Constitution, uh, on a very basic level, to, uh, to rephrase your words, uh, laid down the fundamental uh, principles, values, in terms of which a political constitution, uh, a political community rather, is supposed to act, is supposed to conduct themselves. Uh, But let me immediately add the following. Uh, The moment (coughs) one hears about the constitution and hears about law, you tend to think about a number of rules, Mm. uh, a number of principles that have rather come from outside, you know, uh, set down, defined by some uh, constitution-making body, and then in a sense uh, almost kind of imposed upon the public. But that's actually wrong to, to think like that about a constitution a constitution in order to be a true constitution should actually have a communal basis in other words the the rules that uh, and the tenets uh, the principles that govern a particular society should actually spring from mm. uh, emanate from a, a communal consensus prevalent within society which is then a real community uh, the moment you have consensus then you you're not only a society but a true community mm. uh, And the moment that is present, the law, uh, which is the consequence of that communal consensus, are actually automatically adhered to. Why? Because the people forming part, being true members, belonging, I should say, to to emphasize it, to that particular community, follow those rules uh, almost automatically because they regard those rules as as being almost part and parcel of themselves. and in that way, I think that's actually the only way to sustain a constitution. And that actually is the only true sustainable constitution. If the constitution is then, so to say, to repeat uh, an aspect of, a, a, a characteristic of that particular political community.
0: Okay, so what does that mean <clears throat> in, in real terms?
1: Well, um, <clears throat> you, would have, you would, for example, have a cultural community Cum linguistic community uh, with particular uh, moral convictions, particular religious convictions, uh, about which they by and large have about which they by and large have consensus. They agree about that. Um, <clears throat> for example, people uh, grow up in a in a particular society, particular community. They go to uh, they go to school. Uh, they have their parents, uh, and they get to learn through that. Uh, informal way almost through school education through the parents through the grandparents and the uncles and the aunts and so on and the families they learn what uh, what what proper conduct should be Mm. Now, the moment you have that then you actually have a Constitution okay it's not a formal Constitution in the sense that you have something set out in specific rules and specific principles uh, somewhere in the document but a constitution in the sense that people automatically almost live in accordance with those principles with which they have grown up. That actually is a a true constitution, I would say. Now, that is far removed from the way in which we would conceptualize, for example, at the moment in South Africa about a constitution, because we think about the constitution as something that has come about in 1996, has entered into force, so to say, we have to come back to that in 1997, and now we act in accordance with that, which is actually not so. Uh, in a sense, we, uh, we do, do not have a true constitution in place because uh, <clears throat> almost as a, as, as a, if not a general practice, then as, as a very wide, a very broad practice, uh, large parts of society and then also including government are actually not adhering to those rules. To, to such an extent that the constitution, which pretends to be supreme, written down, supreme, and so on, uh, is the is the silent witness of its own irrelevance, uh, in the sense that it is t- to such a large extent ignored and not regarded as a living constitution. Now, the moment you don't have a living constitution, and the moment you don't have you don't r- uh, live by the rules pretended to be set out in the constitution, then strictly speaking, the constitution has at least in part, fallen by the wayside. And that is actually what has been (laughs) happening in South Africa. Even though there might not have been many amendments to the Constitution, almost nothing, the Constitution has, strictly speaking, been falling by the wayside precisely because of wide-scale, large-scale failure to to adhere to it.
0: What do you mean by a living Constitution?
1: Well, uh, a living Constitution, I think one can, uh, one should, um, one should distinguish between two things. I'm very glad you asked the questions. The question: one can uh, one can refer to the, Constitu- the South African Constitution, for example, and normally that's spelled with a capital C. Okay. Now, <clears throat> if uh, if roundabout everybody acts in terms of what is being set out in the capital letter C Constitution including government, if government acts in terms of that, and the white and the public generally acts in terms of that, then you can say, well, look, that capital C constitution is also the living constitution. It's the actual constitution in terms by by which people live by. However, that is not necessarily the case. What you may have is that that you have wide-scale lapsing of the constitution or at least some of its important principles and rules and tenets and so on, uh, which simply lapses, mm. okay, that, that you can have. We can also speak about examples of that. Mm. Uh, but more than that, you can even have a situation where, where uh, important principles of the, 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 the uh, Constitution, uh, the capital letter Constitution, uh, simply fall by the wayside and not only fall by the wayside, not only lapse, but are also replaced. Substituted by new uh, principles, new rules, um, new tenets uh, by which uh, people live by, and in terms of which government also acts. Then that actually is the the actual living constitution, even though the capital letter C mm. constitution pretend uh, falsely pretend to be the actual living constitution. But but Prof,
0: sorry, I I want to make sure I'm understanding you correctly. You said. You can update the principles, but surely principles are constant. Uh,
1: I just didn't hear the last word you said. No, uh, uh, are,
0: are, are constant. Um, I mean, my principles are, are yeah. My, my principles are largely the same. They don't. They're not going to likely change next year.
1: Yeah, um, <clears throat> it should actually be like that. As a matter of fact, the moment you speak about a constitution, the the the, the notion of constancy and consistency uh, is actually included. It's uh, encapsulated in the very idea of a constitution. Okay, so to the extent that these uh, that that those principles in inverted commas are not constant, and to the extent that these um, uh, uh, <coughs> uh, that 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 these the phenomenon of, of large scale changes that might take place under the constitution, the constitution actually, to an extent, to the extent that it is subject to uh, quick and and rapid and also deep seated changes, it actually uh, uh, ceases, as far as those yeah. aspects are concerned, to be the actual constitution. Yes.
0: But if a constitution changes um, and can be amended. Um, is that a good thing, actually? Because then it seems that it it isn't uh, something to to uh, trust.
1: Yeah, um, <clears throat> it's true. Uh, I think what you what you're saying there is immediately true. It's it's uh, it, it it strikes one as immediately true. No no question, because one of the fundamental claims of the constitution is precisely that it is constant, mm. that it is permanent. Uh, and that you can obviously put your confidence in it, that you can put your trust in it. However, there are at least two reasons why that claim, specifically specifically with regard to the South African constitution, is a little bit less than true. And I want to mention two examples here, uh, and we can, we can speak, up, uh, speak hours about, about each one of them. The first one is the, is the, is the question of interpretation. Uh, the constitution, like legislation, is interpreted. It's interpreted by the courts. It's interpreted by, by public servants. Interpreted by politicians. Interpreted by lawyers. But let's let's restrict for a moment ourselves to uh, to the courts, uh, and more specifically the constitutional court. It is interpreted by the courts. Now, okay, what happens in the in, in the in the process of interpretation? Question. The, um the accepted view the standard view the the, the classical view should be well look uh, legislation more specifically the constitution is uh, is very well defined uh, thus to uh, exclude any uh, possible um, interpretation clashes and thus also to be predictable if we mean something if we mean a particular uh, concept to mean, uh, to mean something today, then that concept should have meant more or less the same or exactly the same 10 years ago. And moreover, it should be meaning the same within 10 years from now on. Precisely for that reason, it's the constitution. It's supposed to be permanent. That's the one thing. The second thing is the, is, uh, is that the acceptance. The assumption is that there is a objectivity in the uh, the correctness and and that the meanings are authentic and and correct, it's it's objective. Now, the question is, is that true? The answer, the blunt answer to that, no, it's in fact not true. Whenever interpretation takes place, it takes place in terms of a particular interpretive view. And that interpretive view is informed by the uh, ideological assumptions convictions and commitments of the of the authoritative interpreters. And in the South African uh, setup, obviously, that's the governing party. But let's leave the governing party there for a moment, because we say for the moment we'll restrict ourselves to the courts. In the final instance, it's uh, interpreted by the courts and then specifically the Constitutional Court. Now, how does the Constitutional Court go about when it interprets the Constitution? It interprets it in terms of what it does. Uh, describes as a transformative view of the constitution. Now, the moment you refer to, you use the word transformative. It sounds quite uh, objective. It sounds quite neut- neutral. And precisely for that reason, I and, and I think there's good reason to say that rather prefer to, re- to, to refer to the word trans- transformationism, uh, laying the emphasis on the I and the I is in. Yeah, to make it like
0: to make it like a, a religious understanding.
1: It's a religious understanding, and it's an ideology. It's an ideology. Okay. Now, the the, the Constitutional Court is absolutely open about that, and it's more and more open about that, that its view about interpreting the Constitution is a transformationism view, which basically boils down to the following. First, whenever there is the slightest possibility, and and the possibilities are always there, To interpret something in favor of equality, more specifically substantive equality, that is in order to to create and promote a socialist society on the basis of the wrong claim to my mind that people are fundamentally substantively equal. It's it's nice to say so, but it's not correct. (laughs) It's It's a fundamental flaw. Yeah. Uh, but whenever that possibility is there, the Constitutional Court will seize upon that possibility and will interpret in that way. So it's a socialist interpretation in the first place. And secondly, it's, a, it's a, a, an interpretation that seeks as far as possible to promote an, a homogeneous, ideological, and cultural society um, which pretends to leave room for cultural diversity, linguistic diversity, ideological intellectual diversity and so on and so forth but which in the final analysis is sharply um, contra the idea of uh, of tolerance precisely for that reason you see the phenomenon in south africa of the uh, professions the universities and so on all uh, being required to uh to to to, um fall in the whole transformationism uh, 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 ideology. And this is precisely also the way in which the the constitutional court interprets the constitution. That's a pure ideological interpretation. But in terms of the views of the constitutional court, that is the real objective meaning of the constitution. Let me just add the following. Whenever someone appears as a candidate for a judicial appointment uh, at the um, Judicial Service Commission. One of the very first questions being asked to such a person is, "What is your view about transformation?" Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, there has been huge, there uh, have been huge uh, disputes about that, where it was alleged uh, and quite convincingly that the Judicial Service Commission, uh, in which there is an ANC majority of 12 against 11 of the 23 members, are much more uh, interested. In the ideological yeah. uh, inclinations and proclivities uh, of the of the candidates appearing before it, then its uh, its uh, acumen and its knowledge, uh, and so on, on, on on the kind of things that uh, that one would attach to uh, judicial office.
0: So it sounds like you're saying that objectivity comes second to to ideological leanings, and and that's that's very uh, dangerous in the long run.
1: Yes. Yes. I think, however, it's very important uh, to to underscore the fact that, in a sense, an objective reading uh, and, or an objective interpretation of a constitution is actually impossible. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> whenever one interprets, uh, you interpret in terms of a particular um, cultural, ideological, religious, or a mixture of all of them, uh, set of, of uh, uh, con- uh, con- convictions, be they... Liberal, be they transformationist, be a, be they communitarian, and so on and so forth. And I think uh, just to, to 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 mention the following, I think that one of the basic mistakes that have been made by uh, by the uh, by the constitutional uh, experts uh, back uh, during the uh, constitutional negotiations in the beginning of the nineties was to cherish some very simple basic liberal. Uh, views on how interpretation works, and also how a constitution works. The <laughs> the, mm. the assumption was well. Look, um, uh, what, what do we have? We have people. We have South Africans, and all South Africans are people, and all South Africans are by and large, um, by and large, uh, reasonable people. And specifically, lawyers having been having go- gone through university, being uh, senior lawyers who will eventually be appointed to the bench surely they are objective persons. And objective, reasonable persons will by and large interpret the Constitution in in, in the same way. And that's a fundamental, I want to say, flaw, and specifically a liberal flaw. A liberal flaw because that's specifically the kind of thinking that you find among people with uh, kind of unreflected liberal uh, uh, assumptions and convictions. In actual fact, that is entirely wrong, uh, because people are in fact different and people belong to specific communities, Um, and the communities are are, are often also ideological communities. And let me just say, Mm. what is also interesting is that it's a well-researched topic within constitutional law, uh, and generally within interpretation theory, that whenever you interpret, uh, you have to focus on so-called interpretation or interpretive communities. And the interpretive community in the final analysis, a variety of interpretive communities, are in the final analysis ideological communities. Um, so, with with different views, different outlooks on the constitution and what the constitution uh, should actually achieve. But then, it's not objective
0: at all. but then that leads me to to an uh, this this place now where, based on what you're saying, Prof. When you say that, for example, the Constitution is not a result of a national consensus, and when you think about how um, the, 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 the authorities have ideological leanings, and then you combine that also with the fact that you've got 60 million people with multiple nations, yeah. is it even possible to have one Constitution uh, to fit them all?
1: In the first instance, you begin with uh, saying the assumption is that there was some national consensus. Now, one can use strong words, uh, but I assume that we are in proper uh, conversation here, so let me me not use uh, overtly strong words. But that's absolute (laughs) nonsense. I mean, if one just look at the history of what has happened uh, in the 80s and the 90s, there was a political struggle. It was a violent political struggle, and it was a bloody political struggle. Uh, it was a question of a clash of minds, a clash of wills, and a clash of power. And it's precisely as a result of that that the Constitution has come about. It, is, it was only later on that a, a, a very romantic uh, post-Constitution uh, uh, narrative was developed uh, with the content of this wonderful South African Constitution, this uh, splendid uh result of this consensus that has been reached? No, not at all. It was a struggle. That's the first point. And the second point, Jeremy, uh, which I think is actually very important, um, is is the following. And it, it brings us back for a moment to, and I, I think our, our listeners and viewers might be interested in that. When the moment one thinks about interpretation, you think about the question of what was the original view of the drafters of the Constitution? You, one tends to think of that as the authentic uh, the authentic content of the Constitution. Now, one might go uh, away with that particular argument, but 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 only to uh, to a certain distance, because in the final analysis, the Constitution <coughs> constitutional provisions are given are given content to by the by the authoritative interpreters who are from case to case responsible for a particular inter- for, for 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 the interpretation of particular. Uh, provisions, rights, and so on in the Constitution. So, in that way, through the process of of interpretation, the Constitution is changing all along. In the first instance, it's impossible to 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 establish what the so-called original view might have been. But even if it would have been possible to to establish that, that's just irrelevant, because there are now new interpreters interpreting it with, with a view of achieving. New objectives, and specifically with a view of interpreting it. Uh, currently, authoritative constitutional majority of the constitutional court view to interpret it with a view of achieving the objectives of transformationism. Uh, what they will also say, by the way, is yeah. that that is that that was the original objective of the drafters of the constitution.
0: But. It- it seems to be a little bit pointless to talk about what the original intention was in in today's yes. climate, uh, because they don't care.
1: Yes, yes, it's 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 entirely uh, irrelevant. It is also irrelevant uh, just to just to actually strengthen your point. It's irrelevant precisely because of the fact that that argument, what is what was the original intent, the original mm. uh, meaning attached to the drafters of the constitution. Is based upon the, 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 the assumption that there was some consensus, which there was not. Okay? Right. So the whole the, the idea of, of invoking the the, the the question of what was the original content, uh, uh, intent, yeah. the original meaning, is based upon a wrong assumption.
0: Right, I understand. So therefore, uh, everything you say after that is going to be false.
1: Yeah, exactly. I understand. So in, in the final analysis, uh, as far as this uh, whole question of interpretation is concerned, um, one should realize and that's very important and you know it's actually a, quite a tight thing within constitutional theory and in, interpretive theory which some South African constitutional jurists uh, took notice of back in the beginning of the 90s and into the 80s and with all due respect since, since that time they, they tend to have completely forgotten about it mm. what happens in the interpretation process the assumption is assumption is the wrong assumption is that the interpreter simply articulates what is inherent in the content of the provision that he or she is interpreting. That's actually wrong. Exactly the opposite happens, and that is that the that the interpreters are actually very active uh, active actors, role players in the process of interpretation, in the sense that they do not so much interpret or construe which is inherently a passive kind of action, but they are actively involved in Mm. the process of constructing, uh, construction of meaning, of what they claim to interpret. And they do that in terms of their own ideological convictions, which is South Africa at the moment, majority conviction, ANC convictions, is the transformationism um, trait, the transformationism ideology.
0: Yeah, and it's not based on objectivity at all.
1: No, not at all. Not at all. There's mm. no, 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 uh, uh,
0: no basis but for that claim at all. Prof, in your in your newest book, which I've linked to under the video, um, uh, what's the precise name? There is no supreme constitution. There is no supreme it? constitution. Right. Yeah, um, I would recommend everybody uh, buys your book. Um, I've I haven't read it yet, but I have read just the the opening bits because um, I just had I just haven't have not have have not had enough time. <laughs> um, but the, the overarching idea is that everything that you're saying now basically is a reflection of what's in your book, in that the, supreme, the supremeness of the Constitution is unattainable.
1: No, no, entirely. As a matter of fact, the whole idea of supremacy of the Constitution, or then constitutional supremacy, is, an, is, an, uh, is a completely unsustainable uh, view. What it is in the final analysis, it's a religion. It's, it's theology, and it's bad theology and bad religion, <laughs> in the sense uh, that uh, the Constitution is, through its claim of supremacy, offered to us as something that is really capable, uh, almost automatically, through its servants, the courts, the government, and so on, to protect all our interests, which is, which is simply not true, Jeez. precisely because it's a function, as I've said, of... Uh, Of uh, of interpretation Uh, and secondly something that we haven't touched on but we need not touch on that because everybody uh, all of us know it it's also a function of good government in South Africa in South Africa we don't have good government on the contrary so no it's uh, it's not a sustainable view at all
0: is it Uh, is it a bit utopian is it a bit utopian and not based
1: it's most definitely it's most definitely utopian if one, for example, reads the uh, the so-called post or the postscript of the interim constitution 1994, mm. which also finds some reflection in the in the preamble of the current constitution, which wrongly is referred to as the final constitution, which is final. Is, is there somebody with with uh, insight into the, into how history will go on as from now on so it's simply wrong to say final constitution as a matter of fact the moment you say final constitution you actually make another kind of religious claim saying this is final this this utopia is final but mm. just coming back to that uh, to what you've said, said about the, the utopian view in that post script uh, there was a reflection, of what history, of what the basic uh, characteristic of South African characteristics of South African history were. And it's, it's, it's sketched in, in extremely uh, dreadful terms. Okay, neither there. Then it says that this constitution is a bridge. Okay. It's a bridge to, and I'm not quoting the exact words now, but basically it's a bridge to a wonderful new world. Um, just believe it's a bridge to a wonderful new world. And since that time, especially in the first years after the Constitution was uh, was adopted after it ended into force uh, that uh, notion that uh, uh, idea of the of the bridge to this brand new world was referred to by the Constitutional Court on numerous occasions interestingly lately not that much because it is now quite clear that this was in fact not the bridge to a wonderful new world as a matter of fact things have, have turned out to be to be quite different but mm. um, so, and I think that, that underlines that underscores the fact that what we're dealing with here is, uh, is something which is law on the one hand, yes, but at the same time it's, it's literature and it's specifically a form of religious literature sure. in that it, it, it seeks to inculcate uh, a belief in a, in a particular uh, a script, in a particular document.
0: Prof, you just made my hair in my arms stand up what you what you said there was very chilling um yeah what 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 are you suggesting then um should should the constitution be scrapped should we ha- should we have multiple constitutions for various regions or various population groups or what 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 is the what is I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where where to go from from here yeah
1: yeah uh, <clears throat> Jeremy, with your uh, uh, with your permission, allow me to just just take one step back. Sure, only one minute. Uh, <clears throat> Section two of the Constitution is uh, is is also the so-called supremacy provision, and it has to be read. And I don't want to to uh, to kind of exhaust our viewers and so on with with legalese now. But mm. let me just for a moment refer to that. Sure has to be read together with section 74. It says, this constitution is supreme, everything being done must be done in terms of this constitution, also governmental action and so on, and then it continues to say, well, uh, together with section 74, uh, this constitution cannot be amended. It can only be amended uh, on condition that certain various uh, provisions, strict requirements, be complied with two-thirds majority of parliament and so on and so forth. And in that way, the idea is created, something that you refer to uh, half an hour ago or so, that you have this, the whole idea that this thing is really constant, this thing is here to stay, it's permanent, it's final. That in fact is entirely untrue. It's not so. Um, a constitution can change in two ways, fundamentally, in principle. In the first place, it can change through amendment of the text of the constitution, of provisions of the constitution, Uh, in that parliament can, having obtained a two-thirds majority. Um, I think... uh, ...an amendment um, uh, uh, in a calculated way. The constitution can also just change as a result of political uh, action. Um, It can change as a result of political... Um, of of political dynamics. Yes. And the South African, regardless of what the so-called Supreme Constitution might be claiming, and what has been happening in South Africa in the past 10, 15, 20 years is that there have been profound changes of the actual Constitution which have simply uh, left the the, 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 the so-called Supreme Constitution aside. Now, let let me just mention one or two examples, uh, because that will allow me to to give an answer to your question. Um, Transformation, or the ideology of transformationism, is nowhere mentioned in the Constitution. It's not mentioned as one of the foundational values in Section 1 of the Constitution, not at all. Those uh, foundational values can only be amended on the basis of a three-quarters majority. However, what has happened? Transformation has become the crucial value of the Constitution even though the constitutional text suggests that it doesn't play a role at all okay so that's a fundamental change of the constitution I can mention many but just perhaps two important ones during the zuma era there was a change in the fundamental structure of government in that government was uh, was carried out but it was executed not by cabinet not by the uh, the, the uh, organs of state and the functionaries as, uh, assigned to specific duties. No, it was conducted by Zuma through uh, kitchen cabinets, the uh, the Watsons, the the Gupta's, uh, and so on and so forth. What you what you actually had in those in, in that era, and, and which you most probably might still have, was what political scientists calls call an hybrid state. Now, that's a fundamental constitutional change, however, not reflected in the text of the Constitution at all. And lastly, last example, the Constitution says the public service must be a professional public service. There's no trace of countenancing anything like uh, uh, like uh, catered deployment and so on. Yet, we are functioning in terms of the unalterable principle almost of catered deployment in the public service. That's precisely why South Africa, this, uh, governance speaking, is th- in the mess that it currently finds itself in. So why has that taken place? Because there was a fundamental constitutional change. Okay. Mm. Now, who brought uh, about those constitutional changes? Well, the, the the potent political forces within society, which is the African National Congress. Mm. the question. Who else can bring about fundamental or any constitutional change. Well, organized formations in society can bring about constitutional change. For example, uh, the whole question of personal protection and also public safety pretends to be something which vests exclusively in the police and then also to a certain extent in the the armed forces. It's not like that anymore at all. A fundamental change has taken place in that regard, not as a result... Yes, in consequence of the, the bad government of the ANC, but as a result of uh, people like you and me simply taking up the responsibility, which in terms of constitutional doctrine should be resting in in the in the in the in the state. Mm. So to that extent, South Africa is in a sense not anymore what a real state is, namely uh, an, an embodiment of uh, of as Max Weber has said, an embodiment an embodiment of the of, of the monot- monopoly of force is something entirely different because people in the forms of neighborhood watches personally uh, through private security and a lot of other formations are actually protecting themselves it's a constitutional change that has taken place in many occasions you find uh, forms of of local and uh, other forms of, yeah. uh, of of self-government yes uh, in a variety of ways be through, it uh, through particular uh, security areas, be mm. it through Orania, which you can also mention in this regard, which in a sense are increasingly uh, exercising self-government. Yeah. This is a constitutional change, a fundamental, a profound constitutional change, which is taking place actually under our eyes. But since the constitutional doctrine does not allow us to look at that as a constitutional change, we don't see. It. We don't. We don't realise the, the the far-reaching cons- cons- constitutional consequences of all
0: that. But then, Prof, it sounds brilliant. Actually, what you're saying the f- the fact is that because the constitution is so um, utopian and unrealistic, um, people on the ground, society, are pretty much living uh, not according to the constitution, but according to their own. Um, needs and desires and as it were their own constitution within their communities and their and their sort of population group. I mean Orania for example probably probably has its own kind of, of constitution that is that is more suited and more um, calibrated to to them and, no, and that's no a, question. and that's a good thing.
1: It's a good thing yeah. It's a good thing. It's a good thing because it's also a democratic thing. I mean this whole debate that is currently playing out mm. there in the Western Cape where you are sitting today. yeah, uh, the whole idea of secession of the Western Cape, or if not secession, something more restricted, something like more self-government for the Western Cape, mm. is anchored in the most in the best possible principles of democracy, namely of self-government. okay? I mean the very opposite, the diametrical opposite of the idea of democracy is someone coming from outside a majority or a minority, and actually imposing upon you, telling you what you should do, that that flies in the, in the face of democracy. Everyone must be, your, your gut must tell you it's wrong. So the moment you have a, a, a democracy, you have self-government rather, on a local level, or a, a, on a level of a city, or a level of a suburb, and so on and so forth. with the people, and that goes back to the whole idea of constitution that you referred to right at the beginning, We have a communal consensus, which, as I tried to explain, mm. is really the prerequisite for an actual constitution. The moment you have that, if you have self-government within that particular community. Then you also have uh, such a situation where you comply with the best possible democratic principle.
0: But, okay, so Prof, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing a strong thread coming through that our constitution, which uh, claims to be supreme and, of course, which cannot be supreme, um, is fairly worthless. Is it worthless because it is worthless, or is it worthless because of poor governance?
1: Um, I think uh, both. Uh, Right in the beginning, uh, and there might be actually good convincing reasons for that, historical factors uh, might Mm. explain why this was the case, I mean, Professor Gilumir of Stellenbosch, uh, whom I have great respect, is doing a lot of research in that particular field. Uh, but there were certain basic, um, basic mistakes, basic flaws, actually written into the constitution. I mean, fundamentally, the constitution is a, a centralized constitution. The provinces that we have, uh, safe for the Western Cape, um, uh, actually paved the way. It actually paved the way to. Uh, yes, uh, they there's said there's a very good piece also in that book, uh, in his, uh, in, the, uh, in that uh, autobiography, together with some of the other books. But that mm. book too has uh, wonderful pieces about the constitutional negotiations, specifically casting some bad light on some of the yes. negotiators, the clerk, and so on and so forth. But sorry, I interrupted
0: okay.
1: you. No, no it's uh, it actually reminded me of something thank you. So it was it, it, it was a centralized constitution that was the fundamental flaw. the ANC wanted it. Why did the ANC wanted want, want it? well because it wanted to rule all over the country it wanted to achieve um, it wanted to achieve a grip of power on all levers of power and the national party uh, came also interestingly speaking from a centralized background. As a result of which, it never, over a period of 80 80 years and more, developed proper constitutional form of thinking, inter area thinking in a federal form, which is precisely the kind of thinking which is necessary in South Africa. Okay. Mm. So, as a result of that, certain flaws were written into the constitution, too centralized. But then, secondly, clearly. Had government had the ANC, for example, said, "Look, let's got let's get the cooperation of everybody, let's make uh, let's seize upon the, the, the uh, international cooperation and the international support that we had back in 1994, and in the years and even decades afterwards," then clearly, South Africa could have been a big success. But then, unfortunately, as a result of uh, of, uh, of of of, of uh, uh, a congestion, almost of of lack of wisdom, it it went into exactly the opposite way, and also as a result of its kind of semi-Marxist ideology, kind of deployment and so on, uh, that government has to rule each and every over each and every aspect of society. Precisely as a result of that, it, uh, it made uh, it, it caused it caused South Africa to be the uh, the failure put your piece at the moment, if uh, so I might just uh, interrupt myself, that it's very interesting to note that the political commentary over the past month or so has changed completely in the sense that previously it was still assumed, well, possibly the uh, the uh, some state institutions can do could do something about state capture, could do something about state failure, corruption, and so forth. Or perhaps the ANC could do it. There was trust that Ramaphosa could do something about that. Or the opposition parties could do something about it. But now it's accepted. It's a given. Uh, and unless you're completely gullible and think that Ramaphosa's seven-page letter of, of a week ago is going to bring about any change, it cannot. It cannot because it touches against a corrupt system. Mm. You can't do anything about that. So uh, now we have a given, a failed, actually a failing state. And it's precisely as a result of that that people, even though they don't use the word, many citizens, even though they don't use the word, are actually thinking and acting in a way which, which properly speaking, is a constitutional way. Why? Because, because it asks, they ask questions and provide answers which relate not only to the question of rights, but very importantly, because that's a central constitutional thing, they also refer to the question of power where must power best and the answer to that no power should not as is prescribed in terms of centralized unitary thinking best in one place it should be vesting in a lot of places for two reasons fundamentally firstly it's democratic to do it like that way and secondly because the center is failing
0: yo uh, <laughs> it's um. It's quite a reality check, isn't it, Prof? Um, when, you, when you go for so many years thinking that this document is actually... Well, I mean, yeah, I was one of those people for many, many years who thought that this document was uh, the, the ultimate, uh, dare I say, solution to um,
1: yeah.
0: a, a, a better future for all. And as it turns out, the exact opposite is happening and it doesn't matter what it says in the Constitution. It doesn't, it doesn't correlate with, with reality.
1: It's true. It's to a large extent dead letter. And uh, it appears that precisely because of the fact that um, the, uh, the state institutions that were supposed to sustain the South African state, all of them have been killed, to use the, these harsh words, you know, mm. the, uh, the, the South African police services. Uh, It's supposed to be an an independent professional institution. Uh, In my younger days, I was a prosecutor. I worked with, necessarily with detectives. Uh, Nowadays, if there's a good detective, with all due respect to policemen who are still good policemen, but nowadays, if there are a couple of good detectives, they are almost heroes. Back in the 1980s and so on, there were many, many, many good detectives. Not not in senior ranks, just, just do their work. So the courts were functioning excellently. The crime was much, much lower. Um, The the prosecutorial authority, I mean, what has happened to the prosecutorial authority is a calamity. Uh, Interestingly speaking, back in before 1994, there were no provisions in the then constitution Mm. or the constitution preceding them, um, highlighting the independence of the Uh, Prosecutorial authority, as it was known in those days, the Attorney Generals, but the Attorney Generals acted extremely independent in those days. there was no way in which government uh, or the Minister of Justice uh, could have could have prescribed to Ford Liris, or or Jan Dolaviera and so so on, what they should do as far as 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 prosecution was concerned. And the positions were filled; there were almost no vacancies, Mm. and there was proper training and so on. So the and, and so I can carry on. So I can carry on uh, mentioning one on the other state institutions that were in fact properly functioning. And a state, a proper functioning state is sustained by all those institutions if once they have fallen by the wayside, mm. which has been happening in South Africa over the past 20 years. It's very, very, very difficult to pick it up again, especially if you don't have a clear will to do it, which ANC is absent.
0: Um, prof, I i really um don't want to to say this, but I'm going to um take us in for a landing in the next five minutes because escom is going to be cutting my power in ten minutes <laughs> okay. uh, so 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 there's that, nothing that's,
1: we, that's the next example
0: yes so so unfortunately if we if we talk for more than more than ten minutes we're not gonna have a conversation um may yeah. i may I read you a few questions uh just to sure. just to include some of the audience here um sure. So, Eugene wants to know, what is your view then of direct elections and how does that perhaps relate to the constitution?
1: Uh, <clears throat> I think Eugene uh, refers to direct, um, well, it might be direct election of the president or so. Uh, if that is what is meant by that, I don't think that will solve any problem. In the final analysis, what, what will solve a problem is that the centralized uh, the centralized way in which authority is allocated in South Africa, that must be that must be replaced with something else. Uh, we have to have a variety of of governments catering for the um, for the for the interests of specific communities, uh, and the way in which that and that's very important might take place is simply that communities mm. must uh, must act. They will simply uh, get into contact with their own abilities and their own powers and so on, their own uh, competencies, and start to form forms of, establish some forms of of self-government, so to say, on the ground. Be it uh, in relation to education, safety, private uh, uh, arbitration, and so on, and so forth. This is what, what is supposed to happen. Elections, yes. No, I don't think that really addresses
0: the question. So it's it's kind of just putting a plaster on the wound.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, I've got I've got a a, a comment from Nigel referring to something that you said earlier. He says uh, what you're saying is great news. It means that federalism, for example, or confederalism is on its way, uh, or even the breakup of the central state into individual sovereign states with their own constitutions.
1: Uh, Nigel is is fundamentally right, and I agree with him. And he, his interpretation of what I've said is spot on. Two things. First, we should just remind ourselves that South Africa itself is a is a very artificial creation. It's in a, in a big sense the uh, the culmination uh, and the embodiment of successful British imperialist policy that culminated in South <laughs> Africa in 1910. That's the first point. The second point is this uh states come and go mm. sorry there's a first point, third point states come and go so south africa is not a ratified fact like stone uh the um, uh, history tells us that and, but then just a little um uh, caveat they need not be sovereign states you need not necessarily move into the direction of sovereign states we can but we need not if you if you deal with confederation, if you deal with certain forms of federalism and so on, which uh, places the, the gravity of power within communities and the rest of the power, the lesser power somewhere in the central government, hmm. which with uh, with a very limited ability to tax, then you have to what you want to achieve.
0: Okay, and then I've got one more question and then we have to uh, uh, keep an eye on ESCOM. <laughs> um, Stefan wants to know, uh, you were talking about the constitution and the and the the amendments in parliament. Now, of course, we know that the EFF and the ANC want to amend the land aspect. Um, it's such a big question, but how does that affect essentially? How does that affect the 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 trustworthiness of the constitution if such an if such a pinnacle part can be amended?
1: Uh, unfortunately, that's a long answer, but I'll try to cut it short. <laughs> Private property is a fundamental prerequisite for constitutionalism. Why? Because private property is a prerequisite for people acting in an independent way and being true citizens. Otherwise, you just render them completely dependent upon the state and prescribable if there's such a word by the state. Mm. That's why it is not only a question of private property. Yes, obviously it is, and that's important. But moreover, it's a constitutional point. I hope the point has come, acro- has come, come across. Um, one should, as far as possible, uh, go out of our way to pre- prevent that from being happen happening. And let me just say, I think government is under such pressure at the moment, also from 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 foreign sources, as a result of the fact that it is now a wide open. It's not a secret anymore that it is a failure. That it must necessarily call upon the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, and so on and so forth for help. And that actually strengthens the hand of people uh, who wants to, like us, who, who are clearly aware of the importance of private property and seek to protect it. So I think uh, our uh, our power, actually, our ability to, to prevent that might be much stronger than we might think it actually
0: is. That's fantastic to hear, Prof. Um, I'm going to <laughs> I'm I'm going to have to say cheers because we're going to get cut off shortly. Um, what I will do is I will give you a call um, in a few minutes. Thank you so much, Um uh, Quis. This has been a fabulous conversation. Um, I want to just uh, reiterate that. Uh, People must buy your books. I think that uh, you're probably one of the smartest minds uh, when it comes to um, the Constitution in South Africa. I, uh, I want to encourage everybody to click on the links under the video. And uh, Prof, thank you so much for your time.
1: Jeremy, thank you very much for the, your kind invitation and for your questions uh, and for the, for the public out there who has taken the time and will be taking the time to listen, I also appreciate that. Thank you. It was a very enjoyable uh, (laughs) uh, uh, idea uh, 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 and conversation. Although there might have been a lot of bad news, I think in the last instance, our position might be much stronger than we think it is. I think so too. Simply because of the fact that changing of the constitution, uh, favorable changing of the constitution, is in the final analysis within our power, organized civil society.
0: Thank you so much. Um, my name is Jim. This was Jim Warfare: The Battle of Ideas.